ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So we started last time the chapter regarding the different types of magic. The chapter regarding the different types of magic. And in this chapter we had come across some of the forms already in the ahadith that were covered. There was al-iyafa, al-tarq, al-tiyara. Those had been mentioned in the first narration about the birds and the sound that birds make and the movement of the birds and they used to engage in activities of omens from them, of pessimism and also regarding drawing lines in the sand and there were also, there was also the mention of the stars and within that is the star signs and how people they attribute events that occur in this world to the stars saying that it is because of the stars that such and such has occurred on the earth and associating the events of the earth to the stars like that then that is shirk and is disbelief and that is from the forms of magic that they used to Uh, inform the people of and they continue to do so now then we got to this narration of an-nasa'i walin-nasa'i min hadith abi hurairah man aqada uqdatan thumma nafatha fiha faqad sahar wa man sahar faqad ashrak wa man ta'allaqa shay'an wukila ilayh Al-Imam al-Nasai, he reports or collected the hadith of Abu Hurairah, who said, Whomsoever ties a knot and then blows into it, then he has committed magic. And whoever performs magic has committed shirk. And whomsoever attaches themselves to something, then he is left to it. So here then, مَنْ عَقَدَ Whoever ties a knot. هَذَا مِنْ عَمَلِ As Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, this is from the actions of the magicians. That they tie knots. يَعْقِدُونَ الْخُيُوطِ ثُمَّ يَنْفُثُونَ فِيهَا That they tie knots with strings and then they blow into them, spittle into them. وَالنَّفَثُ هُوَ النَّفْخُ مَعَ الرِّقِ So they tie those knots, then they spittle into them. And that is not spitting, not outright spitting, 
neither is it just blowing it is blowing with a slight amount of saliva in it so it's not properly spitting out but it is blowing with a slight amount of saliva in it so they do that they spittle onto these knots that they tie فَيَنْفُذُ فِيهَا مِنْ رِيقِهِ الْخَبِيثِ لِأَنَّهُ مُتَكَيِّفْ بِالشَّيْطَانِ فَرِيقُهُ مَمْزُوجٌ بِالْخُبْثِ وَتَأْثِيرٌ وَقَدْ يَضُرُّ مَنْ وُجِّهَ إِلَيْهِ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى So those magicians, they have that corruption in them, they have that evil in them, along with the shayateen, uh, the jinn, and so when they blow and spittle into these knots that they create, then that can be a means by the permission of Allah for an effect to occur upon the one who the magic is done to with this. That it can impact upon the one who the magic is being directed upon with these knots and the spittling into them. كما قال تعالى وما هم بضارين به من أحد إلا بإذن الله. But of course that will only occur by the permission of Allah. As Allah said, they will not harm anyone except by the permission of Allah. So that is one of the techniques the magicians use. The tying of the knots with the strings, spittling into them, and then directing that upon such and such, then that can, by the permission of Allah, have an impact and affect the person who it is being directed upon. وَقَدْ أَمَرَ اللَّهُ نَبِيَّهُ بِالْإِسْتِعَاذَةِ مِنْهُ فِي سُورَةِ الْفَلَقِ but a person should not think that they are powerless. That if somebody's going to do magic to you, then they're going to do it to you. A person should not think with a weak mindset like that. Rather, you maintain your trust in Allah in all of your affairs. And you take the means for protection. You take the means for safeguarding yourself and from those means is the fact that Allah has told us to seek refuge in Allah from those magicians and those sorceresses to ask Allah to safeguard us and to protect us from those magicians and those sorceresses. As Allah said, in Surah Al-Falaq, when you say, وَمِنْ شَرِّ النَّفَاثَاتِ فِي الْعُقَدِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ Continues on seeking refuge in Allah up until you say, and I seek refuge in Allah, or I seek refuge with Allah from the evil of the sorceresses who blow into the knots from the evil of those magicians, the female magicians, 
who blow into the knots. So very specific. Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to safeguard you from these evil activities and actions of those magicians and those sorceresses. And this is something you are supposed to, as an example, recite every night as part of your adhkar before going to sleep. As part of the du'as that you are supposed to recite every night. And the, it is mentioned, those du'as, when it says that they are du'as before going to sleep. Then it's mentioned in some of the narrations, it literally means just before going to sleep. That you are actually on your bed. You are on your bed and that's it now, you're going to go to sleep. That's when you recite these adhkar and these du'as of sleep. Not that you do it half an hour before and then you do this and you do that and then you finally go upstairs to bed. Rather when you are on the actual bed where you are going to sleep, then recite these adhkar, recite ayatul kursi, recite the last two ayat of surah al-Baqarah, recite قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ along with قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Those three the messenger used to recite and then spittle into his hands and then wipe over his body as much as he was able three times. These are all from the remembrances, the adhkar that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to us as a means to seek protection and safeguarding and it is ignored and neglected by many a people they neglect and ignore these supplications and these remembrances and they take nothing from your time a minute two minutes before sleeping that few minutes at the end that you do these adhkar and if you see the rewards mentioned within them Reciting the final two ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah, for example, it says it gives you protection from all evil. Reciting Ayatul Kursi clearly in the narration regarding Abu Huraira and the Shaytan gives you protection all night up until you arise that no Shaytan will come to you. There is great protection that Allah has promised in simple actions of reciting these verses. But remember, when you recite them, for the real impact, you must understand what it is you're reading. You must understand what you are reciting. What is the purpose of these particular ayat? What is the meaning of them? How are you seeking safeguard in Allah from these evil affairs? You need to understand them and recite them. So that you then have your complete trust and iman in what you are reading and what Allah has mentioned to you that your trust is in Allah then upon those readings. But if you don't understand what you're reading and you're blindly reading it, then the impact and the effect will not be the same at all. So that is something very simple to be done. So here then, قَوْلُهُ وَمَنْ سَحَرَ فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ that whomsoever performs magic, 
Then they have committed shirk. This is the point of this particular narration. Whomsoever does magic, then they have committed shirk. Indicating therefore, anna min anwa'i shirk, aqdul uqad, fiha Highlighting that, tying these knots and then spittling into them with that intention of magic, then that is one of the forms of magic and it is considered shirk. And a magician cannot perform his magic except via seeking the aid and assistance from the shayateen. وَإِذَا اسْتَعَانَ بِالشَّيَاطِينَ فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ بِاللَّهِ عَزَّ And so when those magicians, they seek their help and assistance from the shayateen, then they are committing shirk alongside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are obedient to those shayateen. They are under the authority of those shayateen to do as they are told by them in order for them to aid upon the performance of magic. And then at the end it says, وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ شَيْئًا وُكِلَ إِلَيْهِ Whomsoever puts their attachment into something, they will be left to that thing. أَيْ مَنْ اعْتَقَدَ فِي شَيْءٍ مِنْ دُونِ أَنَّهُ يَنْفَعْ أَوْ Meaning if a person believes that something besides Allah will aid him or harm him, believes that this other item has power of that nature, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves that person to that thing. And that thing of course will not be able to benefit him at all will not harm him at all, does nothing. So Allah leaves him to his own devices with those affairs that he is connecting his trust upon. So the point of that is, مَنِ اعْتَقَدَ فِي الصَّحَرَ وَالْكُهَّانِ وَالْمُشَعْوِذِينَ وَالْمُنَجِّمِينَ وَالْأَمْوَاتِ وَالْأَوْلِيَاءِ أَنَّهُمْ يَنْفَعُونَ أَوْ يَضُرُّونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وُكِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ that if a person believes that the magicians, the, the fortune tellers, the sorcerers, the, uh, the ones who engage in uh, 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 astrology and all of those affairs, the dead, the deceased in their graves, the so-called awliya, whoever believes that those types of individuals can benefit him or harm him besides Allah, then Allah will leave him to them. Allah will abandon that individual to them. And those magicians and sorcerers and fortune tellers and their likes, what will they do for that person besides Allah? That person is in absolute destruction and loss left to those individuals besides Allah.
That is a punishment upon him. عُقُوبَةً له. وَتَخَلَّ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَ عَنْهِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves him, abandons that person. He is on his own, left to his own devices with his magicians and sorcerers and fortune tellers and whomsoever he believes in and has his trust in. وَوَكَلَهُ إِلَى هَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ لَا يَمْلِكُونَ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا and Allah leaves him to those others who do not control any harm nor benefit. Neither do they control life or death or resurrection. And that person, his connection to Allah is cut off. His connection to Allah is cut off. Allah, the one who has everything in his control, that person has lost his connection to his creator and has been left with his so-called connection to his magicians and others that he trusts in. So that person ends up cutting off his connection to Allah, the one who has all of the goodness the one who has mercy upon his creation, the one who provides for his creation, that person has cut off from his creator. وَيَكِلُهُ اللَّهُ إِلَى هَذِهِ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ الضَّعِيفَةِ لِأَنَّهُ اعْتَمَدَ عَلَيْهَا وَتَوَكَّلَ عَلَيْهَا وَخَافَ مِنْهَا وَرَجَاهَا And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves him to these weak creations, leaves that person to those weak creations because the person relied upon them and depended upon them and trusted in them and feared them and hoped from them. So as a consequence of doing all of those things which you're only supposed to do in Allah, he put his trust and dependence and reliance and all of those matters into these other things. Then Allah leaves him to those weak creations who cannot do anything for him in reality. فَمَنْ ذَهَبَ إِلَى مُشَعْوَذِ يُرِيدُ مِنْهُ الْعِلَاجِ وَالشِّفَاءِ مِنَ الْمَرَضِ وَكَلَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِ So if a person goes to one of these sorcerers, fortune tellers, one of these soothsayers, believing that he will be able to uh, gain some cure for some disease or illness he is suffering from, believing he'll gain that cure and treatment from these sorceresses, magicians, fortune tellers, soothsayers, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves that person to the hands of that individual. And Allah abandons that person. وَمَنْ سَأَلَ كَاهِنًا أَوْ عَرَّافًا عَنْ شَيْءٍ مِنَ الْأَشْيَاءِ وَكَلَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِ إِذَا اَعْتَمَدَ عَلَيْهِ And if a person goes to one of these sorcerers, fortune tellers, soothsayers, asking them about some affair, asking them about some future event, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves that person to them. That person is, has cut off his connection from Allah and be left to his own devices with those others. However, man tawakkala ala Allah wa ta'allaqa billahi subhanahu 
وخاف الله ورجاه فإن الله يتولى أمره But whomsoever puts his trust in Allah and maintains his connection with Allah and fears Allah and hopes from Allah then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of his affairs then Allah will take care of the affairs of that individual <clears throat> as it says in the Quran وَمَن يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ whomsoever puts their trust in Allah then Allah will suffice him Allah will suffice him إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَالِغُ أَمْرِهِ قَدْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدْرًا فَالَّذِي يَتَوَكَّلُ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَيُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَيَعْتَمِدُ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَكْفِيهِ وَيَصُونُهُ مِنْ شَرِّ عِبَادِهِ قال تعالى أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافٍ عَبْدَهِ So whomsoever puts their trust in Allah and believes in Allah and depends and relies upon Allah then Allah will suffice that individual and Allah will safeguard him from the evil of his servants, meaning the other creation. As Allah said in the Quran, Is Allah not sufficient for his servant? And of course, that is emphasized that Allah is sufficient for the servant, and the servant would not be in need of anyone else. فَمَنْ تَوَكَّلَ عَلَى اللَّهِ كَفَاهِ So whomsoever puts their trust in Allah, then Allah will suffice him. وَمَنْ تَوَكَّلَ عَلَى غَيْرِ اللَّهِ وَكَلَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَى ضَعِيفٍ عَاجِزٍ لَا يُغْنِ عَنْهُ مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا لَا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَلَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ But whomsoever puts their trust in other than Allah to some weak creation from the creations, who is unable and incapable of doing anything or providing anything for you, uh, then that individual, that other thing, will neither benefit you in this world, nor in the afterlife, nor give you anything in this world or the afterlife. Then after that, uh, before that, the Shaykh says, وَأَمَّا فِي الدُّنْيَا فَيَكِلُهُ اللَّهُ إِلَى هَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ يُظِلُّونَهُ وَيَفْسِدُونَ عَقِيدَتَهُ وَيُوَهِّمُونَ وَيَتَسَلَّقُونَ عَلَيْهِ حَتَّى يَعِيشَ عِيشَةَ الْقَلَقِ وَالْأَوْهَامُ وَالْضَعْفُ وَالْخَوَةِ When a person puts their trust into those kinds of people, into those magicians and soothsayers and fortune tellers and the likes of individuals who engage in those activities of magic and the likes, when you put your trust into those types of people, the ones who in reality are misguiding you and they are going to misguide you and they are going to corrupt your aqidah and they are going to corrupt your mentality. They will corrupt your mind. They will make you weak in your mind because they will put all types of whisperings to you, all types of uh, 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 affairs that are that have no reality to them. They will narrate to you all types of things, making you believe all types of fantasy that has no reality to it in, in the, the real world, no basis to it. And as a consequence, your mind becomes weak. 
and your mind becomes full of whisperings all the time, that is what you are going to gain by going to those types of people. And so that individual, the Shaykh says, يَعِيشُ عِيشَةَ الْقَلَقِ وَالْأَوْهَامِ وَالْضَعَقِ وَالْخَوَةِ That type of person will then live a life of constant worry and concern and anxiety and thoughts, whisperings. That is the way that person will be. And you see some people, their characters are like that. That they are always upon anxiety, never settled and calm, always discomfort in their hearts, anxiety, whisperings, worry, concern, grief over this and that, unsettled. And that is what you gain for the one who goes to the magicians and their likes, rather than putting their trust in Allah. وَلِذَلِكَ نَجِدُ الْخُرَافِيِّينَ وَالْقُبُورِيِّينَ دَائِمًا فِي قَلَقٍ and that's why the Shaykh says these misguided individuals and these grave worshippers, they are always upon this anxiety. They're always upon that disturbed mental state. Da'iman fi khawf. Always in fear. Fear of these so-called awliya and what they're going to do to them. Fear of this, fear of that. Wa da'iman fi dhul. And they are constantly in degradation and disgrace. Constantly in disgrace for the way that they are living and how they are relying and depending on these uh, so-called powerful individuals that they believe can help them and aid them, can be, uh, they believe can answer their du'as for them. And as for the afterlife, if they continue upon this pathway, of going to magicians and acting upon that and believing those affairs, if they continue upon that pathway, then in the afterlife, if they don't repent, then in the afterlife, the Shaykh says it is known where they will end up then. The end abode for such a person upon magic or following magic will be the hellfire. وَنَجِدُ الْمُوَحِّدِينَ الصَّادِقِينَ فِي قُوَّةِ وَفِي أَمَنِ and you find the opposite with the people of Tawheed. The people of Tawheed who are truthful upon that and they are upon strength in their heart, in their Iman, comfort, settled, calm upon Iman and trust and dependence in Allah. You find them in safety, in security, in calmness, not anxiety and in a mental state all the time. وَفِي سُرُورِ وَطُمَأْنِينَ You find them calm in their minds. They don't have anxiety over affairs. You find them comfortable in themselves, not perturbed all the time. You find them upon tranquility and serenity because they have put their trust in Allah with their affairs. And these are things, like we've said before, you don't just hear these things and think, of course, yes, trust in Allah. It requires focus that in your daily lives, when you're doing whatever you're doing, whenever some event occurs, whenever some issue arises, that you remember, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You remember that everything was decreed 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. 
and that everything is done upon wisdom and that everything is by the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that the one who decreed some difficulty for you then he is the one who decrees the exit from that difficulty for you he is the one that brings that ease for you and the scholars they say in that chapter where it says inna ma'al usri yusra it is repeated inna ma'al usri yusra and then again ma'al usri yusra but the scholars they say there are two types of ease and there is only one difficulty mentioned but are they not both mentioned twice with the difficulty is ease with the difficulty is ease the difficulty is mentioned twice and the ease is mentioned twice so why do the scholars say, no, but there's only one difficulty and double ease from Allah. For the one who puts his trust in Allah. Why? When it's both mentioned twice in the surah. No? Huh? Okay, but how do we explain the chapter though? In the chapter it says difficulty twice as well. How can we say it's only one difficulty when it says it twice in the chapter? So you're saying Al-Usr has Alif and Lam on it and Yusra is without Alif and Lam. So that has something to do with it? Ma'arif Anakira. Correct. That is from the tafsir of the Quran. Inna Ma'al-Usri Al-Usri and then Yusra. The Yusra is mentioned as a Nakira. Al-Usr is mentioned as a Ma'arifah. That ma'arifah, it returns back to the same one. Whereas the yusra is open. Nakira. So that is an open ease, ease and then more ease. Whereas the ma'arifah returns back to the same ma'arifah in both of those ayat. Hence the scholars, they say it is indicating there is one ease, but Allah provides uh, one difficulty and Allah provides two eases. And also mentioned in the Quran in other places. وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا Whomsoever fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah will make an, a, a way out and an ease for that person. So it is important that a person recognizes the reality of trusting in Allah, the reality of dependence and reliance upon Allah. And knowing that, Patience is required when some difficulty occurs or arises. As Allah mentioned, Tilka al-ayyam nudawiluha nas Those are the days that we alternate between people. You will have days of happiness and joy. And there will be some days in your life with sadness in them. Those are the days that we rotate and alternate between people. It is not the case that you always have days of joy and happiness and never a day of any sadness. Or that you always have days of sadness and never any joy or happiness. Rather, it all comes. So when the happiness and joy comes, you are grateful and thankful to Allah. And when the difficulty comes, you are patient and make dua. That is the way of the believer. So it's important to remember these things in practice, in practice. And that is where the deficiency arises. 
that we may learn things, but when it comes to the practice, you see many people not practicing what is supposed to be practiced. So here the Sheikh says, you will find that the people of Tawheed, the true believers with strength in their Iman, they are upon tranquility and ease and comfort. وَمَنْ عَبَدَ اللَّهَ وَحْدَهُ تَوَلَّ اللَّهُ أَمْرَهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ And whomsoever worships Allah alone, then Allah will take care of your affairs in this world and the afterlife. وَنَجَّاهُ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ And he will save you from the punishment. وَأَدْخَلَهُ الْجَنَّةِ And he will enter you into paradise. وَمَنْ عَبَدَ الشَّيَاطِينَ وَالْمَخْلُوقِينَ وَالْقُبُورِيِّينَ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ وَغَيْرَ ذَلِكَ وَكَالَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ But whomsoever worships the shayateen and others in creation and the grave worshippers, those individuals and other than them, whether it is the shayateen or others in creation or the deceased, whomsoever you are putting your trust into, you are depending upon, you are looking toward for help and aid and assistance, then on Yawmul Qiyamah, you will be left with them. You will be left with those instead of being left with the aid of Allah. Yaqulullah, Allah will say on Yawmul Qiyamah, اِذْهَبُوا إِلَى مَنْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْبُدُونَ فِي الدُّنْيَا Go to the ones you used to worship in the world. Go to the ones who you used to worship in the dunya. وَإِذَا ذَهَبُوا إِلَيْهِمْ تَبَرَّعُوا مِنْهُمْ So when those people go to the ones that they used to worship, those ones declare their innocence from their worshippers. It will be said to the worshippers, go to the ones you used to worship besides Allah. When they go to them, they declare their innocence of these worshippers. They free themselves from them, wash their hands of them. As it is mentioned in the Quran, إِذْ تَبَرَّأَ الَّذِينَ تُبِعُوا مِنَ الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوا Those who were followed, who were worshipped, they declare their innocence and free themselves from the ones who worship them. And then he continues in that section. That when they see that punishment and then they see their means are cut off now, that they worship these others and now they've got nothing for it. And then in those same ayat it mentions, they say, if we had another chance, then we would not have worshipped them. But now it's too late. And also in the Quran, وَمَنْ أَضَلُّ مِمَّنْ يَدْعُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَنْ لَا يَسْتَجِيبُ لَهِ إِلَىٰ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ وَهُمْ عَنْ دُعَائِهِمْ غَافِلُونَ Who is more misguided than the one who calls upon others besides Allah? who will not answer him ever till the day of judgment. They will not answer him. And they are in fact negligent or unaware of the dua being made upon them, calling upon the deceased and calling upon the dead. They do not know 
of the dua you are making for the, uh, to them, asking them, they are unaware of it. In another ayah, regarding the afterlife, وَإِذَا حُشِرَ النَّاسُ كَانُوا لَهُمْ أَعْدَاءً وَكَانُوا بِعِبَادَتِهِمْ كَافِرِينَ وَقْتُ الْحَاجَةِ وَقْتُ الْخَطَرِ كَفَرُوا بِعِبَادَتِهِمْ وَتَبَرَّأُوا مِنْهُمْ فَيَذْهَبُونَ إِلَى النَّارِ لِأَنَّهُمْ لَمْ يَعْقُدُوا وَيَعْقِدُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ صِلَةً تَصِلُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ وَلَمْ يَعْبُدُوا اللَّهُ وَيَحْدُوا بَلْ عَبَدُوا غَيْرَهُ So again it mentions how on that day when they are resurrected that they will have enemies and then they will declare their innocence of their worship. Of course on that day when the ones worshipped declare their innocence of the ones who worship them and the ones who worship them recognize and realize the error beyond at that time it is uh, beyond reprieve. There is nothing that can be rectified now at that time that they died upon their actions then it is the punishment of the hellfire for them. They had no connection with Allah in this world. Instead, their connection was with the magicians and the sorcerers, sorcerers fortune tellers, soothsayers and their likes. They did not worship Allah alone upon Tawheed. They committed shirk. And so the calamity will befall them on that day. Then it comes to the narration of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ألا هل أنبئكم العضو هي النميمة القالة بين الناس رواه المسلم In this narration Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said Shall I not inform you what العضو is العضو It is the tail carrying and speech between the people. Al-Adh is another word for magic. Here, a Shaykh Al-Fawzan says that when Abdullah ibn Abbas mentioned that the Prophet said, Shall I not inform you what Al-Adh is? The meaning of it is magic. Shall I not tell you what magic is, this form of magic? وَهَذَا فِيهِ التَّعْلِيمِ بِطَرِيقَةِ السُّؤَالِ وَالْجَوَابِ لِأَنَّ ذَلِكَ أَوْقَعْ فِي النَّفْسِ إِذَا صَارَ شَيْءٌ مُهِمًّا وَخَطِيرًا فَإِنَّهُ يُلْقَى عَلَى النَّاسِ بِطَرِيقِ السُّؤَالِ مِنْ أَجْلِ إِنْ انْتَبِهُ أو يتنبهوا Here you see one of the prophetic methods of teaching. One of the prophetic methods of teaching was to purposely ask the audience questions in order to gain their attention and then to give the answers. And the Messenger used to do that often with the companions. Rather than just giving them the information about something, he would ask them questions to gain their focus, then he would give them the answer. So here the messenger asked the question first, Shall I tell you? Shall I not inform you what Al-Adhu is? Then when they're all focused, wanting to know, What is this Al-Adhu? Then the messenger informs them. And that is a better style of learning to remember the answer for that particular affair. So the messenger then informed them what it is. It is the tail carrying. 
the namima. So this indicates that the namima is being equated to a form of magic. And that is because the impact of namima, the impact or the consequences of it are the same or equivalent to or similar to the consequences and the effects of magic. How magic affects people, how magic can separate between the husband and the wife, how magic can separate between people and cause enmity between people, then likewise, Namima can do all of that. Carrying tales between people, I heard him say this about you and that about you, or I heard him saying this or that, and narrating from one party to the other party with that intention of corruption. Then that can cause the splitting and the differing, just as magic causes splitting and differing. Hence, in this hadith, the messenger said, Shall I not inform you what al-adhu is, what this magic is, this form of magic? And then he told them, Namima, tail carrying. So this highlights the severity, the extreme danger of tail carrying. In this narration, it is as though the messenger is saying, shall I not tell you what magic is? It's namima. As though magic is just completely namima. Of course, we know there are many other types of magic, but the way this narration is presented to the companions, it is as though magic, all of it is namima. To highlight to them the severity, the extreme severity and danger of Namima, of carrying tales between people. And the definition of Namima is that, that you carry stories and tales and whatever it might be from one person to another with the intent of corruption. With the intent of corruption. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you planned and plotted but if you know that a particular statement carrying it from this person to that person without a doubt it's going to cause corruption between them without a doubt it's going to cause corruption between this group of people and that group of people that is namima that is namima carrying stories and tales for the intent of corruption, corruption is going to arise. And that's why the scholars, they used to say, well, they say, but at the time of the scholars of Hadith in particular, sometimes a scholar from Ahlul Sunnah, Salafi, Sunni, Ahlul Sunnah scholar, may have a, what we call these days, a fallout with another Sunni, Salafi scholar from Ahlul Sunnah over some issue could be some issue, something happens. As Sheikh Al-Fawzan said, it is in the nature of mankind to differ. We differ with each other on things. They used to say, if that ever occurs between a scholar and a scholar, they have a disagreement over something, they are uh, upset with each other over some certain issue. They used to say those kinds of things, yutwa wala yurwa. Meaning, 
They used to say, if you hear anything like that, between Salafi Sunni, Salafi Sunni scholar, and they've had a, what we call a fallout over something, nothing of significance of the religion, etc., but some issue has occurred, some minor affair, Yutwa wala yurwa. It's in the books of Hadith, they used to say. Yutwa meaning, they say, if that speech comes to you, as though it is like in a book form, if it comes to you, Yutwa, fold it up, wala yurwa, and don't narrate it. If that speech comes to you about them, fold it up, scrunch it up, fold it up, and don't narrate it. Because it is not an affair of significance. If you narrate it, you narrate from this side to that side, but they were saying, and his students were saying, and, and this is why they say sometimes that the students end up causing corruption between some of the scholars. By their narrations that they should not be carrying, they should be yutwa wala yurwa. They should be folded up. Put aside, it's nothing of significance. It is not something to be narrating and spreading. So here, it mentions the namima. وَهَذَا لِبَيَانَ خَطَرِ النَّمِيمَ كَأَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صلى الله عليه وسلم حَصَرَ صُحَفِيهَا تَحْذِيرًا مِنَعَ وَلِمَاذَا صَارَتِ النَّمِيمَ بِهَذِي الْخُطُورَةِ Why is Namima this dangerous? It's being mentioned as magic. لِأَنَّ النَّمِيمَ تَعْمَلُ عَمَلَ السِّحَرِ فَتُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ كَمَا يُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَهُمْ السِّحَرِ Because Namima has the same impact as magic. By spreading stories between people and carrying tales between people. He said this and I heard him saying that and X, Y, Z. It causes differing and disputes and argumentation and splitting between people just like magic can. بَلْ هِيَ أَشَّتْ As Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, in fact, Namima is more severe than the magic. كَمَا قَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ As some of the scholars they mentioned or some of them mentioned, يُفْسِدُ النَّمَّامِ فِي سَاعَةِ مَا يُفْسِدُهُ السَّاحِرِ فِي سَنَةِ A tail carrier causes more corruption in an hour than a magician does in a year. So the Shaykh says, it has been mentioned, يُفْسِدُ النَّمَّامُ فِي سَاعَةٍ مَا يُفْسِدُهُ السَّاحِرُ فِي سَنَةٍ That a tail carrier causes more corruption in an hour than a magician does in a year. فَالنَّمِيمَ أَشَدُّ تَأْثِيرًا مِنَ السِّحْرِ Tail carrying is, has more impact 
than magic in that regard. لِأَنَّهَا تُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Because it splits up between the Muslims. وَالصِّحَرْ إِنَّمَا يُؤَثِّرُ فِي مَنْ وَقَعَ عَلَيْهِ Whereas magic will only impact on the specific individual or individuals that have been targeted. Namima will cause separation between large amounts of people. It may not just be the one person or that two people or three people. Then other people get involved and the stories start to spread and people start taking sides. So the effect of Namima can be even more significant than the effect of magic. Magic is restricted to the one who is targeted by the magicians. Namima, you spread it, it causes corruption amongst the society, causes splitting and differing amongst the, the, the brotherhood, amongst the communities. So there's a greater and more severe impact of Namima. And the Sheikh gives the definition of Namima too here. نقل الحديث بين الناس على وجه الوشاية والإفساد. To narrate stories, to take narrations from people to other people, between people, that I heard him saying this and he was saying that, and narrating to this one, then taking from here to that one, upon على وجه الوشاية والإفساد, meaning that you have that perspective or that view that there's going to be corruption that is caused here and you may think well why how would a person be that evil that he sits there thinking today i've got nothing else to do let me just go narrate from him what i heard last week to that person and let me watch the fight not necessarily like that but a person may have their own objectives now this person last week he heard something from him he's now done something to him He's gone and scratched his car in the car park. Now that he's got a bit of a problem with him, let me just go narrate what he said about such and such. I'll deal with him. So then he goes and narrates to such and such and causes the corruption. So it may not be that a person just sits there and thinks, I'm going to watch a show. But there are other objectives and there are other motives that a person may be uh, overwhelmed by from the whisperings of the shaitan. And then he goes and co causes this corruption. Goes and narrates from one to another, knowing that there is nothing that is going to come from that except corruption. And that's why the scholars, especially Sheikh Abdullah al-Bukhari, listen to his advice. His advice and his classes when he teaches and when he gives advice on questions that are sent to him, listen to the advice he gives. It is absolutely uh, invaluable advice. The advice that he gives to the students of knowledge about their etiquette, about their behavior, how should they interact with one another, how they should behave with one another, and with regards to even other affairs of the student of knowledge, about how people, they come and narrate questions to him, and how he even said one time, I don't allow people to narrate from me unless it is something I have said in uh, official capacity. That it is there in my books or it is there in my recordings. As for somebody coming to me, he said, with a personal question. And I give that person a personal answer to him. And then he goes off, narrating it to the dunya. I, Muhammad ibn Khalid or whatever, on the 25th of May 2023, 
I was with Sheikh Abdullah al-Bukhari in his mosque and you write your testimony, the testimonies that you see. The Sheikh said, I reject and I do not allow anybody to write these, you know, as we say that, the so-called testimonies. I, such and such, on this date, was with the Sheikh at this place and I said to him this and he said to me that. The Sheikh said that is nonsense and I reject you narrating those types of things. You may say, but why? I was there. This is what he said to me. The Sheikh said, I may give you an answer for your circumstance. You've come to me privately and asked me a question privately. I may give you an answer for your circumstance to your question for you. Not a public answer for the dunya in a public circumstance that I don't know of how it's going to be and where it's going to be implemented. And on top of that, the Sheikh said, if I want to make that answer I gave you public, then Alhamdulillah, Jazakallah khair, but I have the means to do that. Sheikh Abdullah Bukhari, I have the means, I can put it on a recording, it can be distributed. I can write a book on the topic, it can be distributed. Alhamdulillah, I'm not in need of you to publicize the answer for me. I can do it myself if I wanted to do it. So I may give you, the Sheikh says, I may give a person a personal answer to his circumstances, which is not an answer public to be spread. Sometimes you go, you have sittings with the scholars. They may mention details to you that they are not mentioning at a public level. When we used to be in the University of Medina, some of the scholars would say, in the classroom, I do not permit anybody to record. But they were also teachers in the haram, everybody listening, recording. They used to say, because how we speak to you in the class, this is a private setting. And we will speak to you in a more relaxed way. And we may mention things to you that we wouldn't mention to the general public in the haram. Listening, thousands of them on the, the radio and internet and all sorts. This is a private gathering of 20 students in the class. We may say things, we may mention affairs that we wouldn't mention in public to the general masses. Or if we did, it would be mentioned in a different way so they can understand. So they would say, these gatherings, you don't record them. And you don't go spread them. So there's an affair here to be taken note of. And I highly recommend, as I said, listen to the advice of a Sheikh Abdullah al-Bukhari on these types of topics. On the etiquettes of a student of knowledge. How you behave, what you do. Regularly, he is advising and admonishing the students. And they are beneficial pieces of advice. So here, regarding the Namima, just to finish off before the prayer. Uh, it mentions then when Namima نقل الحديث بين الناس على وجه الوشاية والإفساد يذهب إلى شخص فيقول له a person he goes to an individual and says to him إن فلانا يسبك ويتنقصك that such and such was cursing you, abusing you, belittling you ويقول فيك كيت وكيت and he was saying such and such about you and such and such about you of course this person goes there as a noble man, you know, I just had to tell you because, you know, somebody was saying this. He goes there with nobility, mashallah. And in reality, this is all he's doing. Going there, he was saying this about you and that about you and belittling you. So then what's going to happen? That person becomes angered at the one who the narrations are being narrated from. Then he goes, the same person, to the other one. 
that such and such was saying this about you and that about you, and he was belittling you. فَيَغْضَبُ هَذَا عَلَى هَذَا So this one then becomes angered at that one. وَهَذَا عَلَى هَذَا And that one upon this one. ثُمَّ يَقُومُ وَتَقُومُ الْقَطِيعَ بَيْنَ الْوَالِدِ وَوَلَدِهِ To the extent it may even cause corruption and differing and separation between a father and his son. وَبَيْنَ الْأَخْ وَأَخِيهِ And a brother and his brother. وَبَيْنَ الْمُسْلِمْ وَأَخِيهِ الْمُسْلِمْ And between a Muslim and his Muslim brother. To the extent that even wars may break out between people because of this namima. It is from the major sins. That the namima is one of the causes for the punishment of the grave. In the hadith it mentions مَرَّ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِقَبَرَيْنِ فَقَالْ لَا يُعَذَّبَانِ وَمَا يُعَذَّبَانِ فِي كَبِيرٍ أَحَدُهُمَا فَكَانَ يَمْشِي وَأَمَّا الْآخَرِ فَكَانَ لَا يَسْتَبْرِئُ مِنْ بَوْلِهِ That these two are being punished in their grave as for one of them because he used to spread tales between people, carry tales between people and as for the other one because he never used to look after himself and purify himself from urinating. And also in the hadith, La yadkhulu jannata nammam wa la yadkhulu jannata qattat That a tail carrier, a nammam, spreading namima, will not enter paradise. Wa nammam laysa lahu hukmu sahir Fala yakfur kama yakfur sahir The nammam does not have the same ruling as the magician. He's not a kafir like the magician is. Wa innama nammima muharrama but namima is haram, just like magic is haram. The only difference is magic is kufr and namima is fisq, fasiq. So this is the severity and the danger of namima. And it's been mentioned as or in the framework of magic to highlight how dangerous and evil a sin namima is. That's where we'll stop for today then. We'll pick up from that point next week inshallah ta'ala. Remember, Ikhwan, we're, we're starting at 8 p.m. That is the target now. Today, uh, I got here, I think, eight minutes past eight. So we're striving to start at 8 p.m. So do not come at 8.20, 8.30. You're missing half the class. Try your best to come at 8 p.m. And we'll start on time as close as possible, inshallah ta'ala.